Hi, my name is Brian, and the Old Testament reading is found in Isaiah 61, 1 through 4. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. The word of the Lord. Good morning, my name is Rachel, and the New Testament reading is found in Acts 1, 6 through 11. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And we had, when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Brian. Thank you for standing with me for the gospel reading found in Luke 24, 44 through 49. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their mind to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning, church. Merry Christmas. Yes, it is the fourth day of Christmas, so you can keep the party going if you need another excuse to keep eating apple pie or chocolate cake or whatever. you got more days. It goes all the way to January 5th, so keep the feast going if you'd like. Uh, we've, been, we've been in this series uh, called Beauty from Ashes, and we've been uh, talking about what we do as we wait for God um, to, to bring beauty from ashes. And so in, during the four Sundays of Advent, the four Sundays that lead up to Christmas, the four Sundays that help us prepare for Christmas, we've talked about this theme. And so in week one, we said, okay, so here we are. We stand between two arrivals, if you will. We stand between the first arrival, the incarnation, and we're waiting for the second arrival, for Jesus to come to appear in fullness in a way, it's like the church stands between two proclamations. The first is, joy to the world, the Lord has come. And then the second is, come, Lord Jesus, come, which we see in the book of Revelation. And we live in the in-between. And so Advent makes us look back, but also look ahead. 
And so in week one of this series, we said, OK, so what do we do as we stand in the in-between? And we said, well, well, we need to watch, and we need to work, even as we wait. And then in week two, we said, actually, it's not just that we are working. It's that God is working, that God has always been working even in our waiting, even when we can't see it, even when it doesn't seem like he is. And then in week three, we said, every once in a while, we get these little flashes of joy, these little signs that remind us that actually God has been doing something surprising. And it's like those little green shoots that Isaiah spoke about that come up out of the dead stump that, that remind us, hey, there's joy coming. There's joy that's already here. And then in week four, we said, OK, so how should we respond when we catch glimpses of Christ's arrival, when we catch glimpses that God actually is at work and on the scene? How do we respond? Should we be like Herod and, 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 and be threatened by this and, and cling to control? Or should we be like the Magi that recognize that the real king is here and bow and worship? Well, here we are in what is traditionally the first Sunday of Christmas, but for many of us feels like the first Sunday after Christmas. This sort of feels like the post-Christmas hangover, you know, kind of the letdown. And maybe, you know, maybe Christmas was great for you and you had a great time and it was also wonderful. And now it's sort of this back to reality and you're realizing, okay, I need to think through my weight loss plan for 2015 after all that eating. And you're starting to think about all the, the things that you'd been ignoring for a week or at least for a few days. And now it's all back to the real life. Or maybe for you, Christmas was difficult. Christmas was extraordinarily difficult, and it reminded you of pain or of loss in your life. And so now you're saying to the now what question, you're saying, geez, if even that wasn't all that good, now what? How am I supposed to move forward? How do, where do we go from here? It's interesting that when you think about the way that the Gospels, particularly Matthew and Luke, the way that they begin is, is really dramatic, isn't it? When they talk about the Christmas story, you have in Matthew, you have these appearings of, of angels and, and, and appearing to people, appearing to Mary. And then in Luke, you have angels singing to shepherds. And maybe there's a tiny part of you that thinks, man, wouldn't it have been great to live back then? If only I lived then, we could have seen angels. We could have seen Jesus in the flesh. I mean, ah, those were the good days. And now here we are, stuck in our world, stuck in our situation. Maybe some of you, you're keenly aware of the pain in our world, the tensions that are mounting in racial relations in our country, or maybe when you think about the, the suffering that happens in different parts of the world, and you're thinking, God, this is nothing like the first Christmas where there was angels and Jesus as a baby and it was all warm and fuzzy. Well, it wasn't. But even so, we somehow feel like we're getting the, the worst end of this. Man, who, who's going to carry out God's plan now? How does it continue in our day? Or has it ended Luke 24, you heard it in our gospel reading. If you turn with me, this is how Luke ends his gospel. So he's, he begins it by talking about these angels singing to shepherds and, and, and these miraculous signs. And, and then at the end of his gospel here in verse 48, Jesus is speaking and he says, you are witnesses of these things. 
And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. A story that began with angels ends with disciples. A story that began with angels announcing the good news now gets to be continued by flawed, messy, imperfect people. You're thinking, oh, uh, surely this is downhill from here. I liked it better when it started with angels. But what are these guys going to do? What are these chaps going to do with the story now? John ends his gospel, of course, in a, in a similar way. John opens with this amazing declaration that in the beginning was the word. And he's talking about Jesus. And he says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And you're thinking, this is awesome, John. Jesus was God come to dwell with us. This is amazing. But then at the end of John's gospel, John has Jesus saying, and now it's time for me to go. You're thinking, oh, no. It's just like the end of the, you know, the Disney show. Now it's time to say goodbye. What are you doing, Jesus? And then Jesus says, hey, just in case you're wondering, it's good for you that I go. Thinking, no, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. How can this be? And in John, toward the end of it, John 20, Jesus says this. He says, Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Wait a minute. John, who opened his story by talking about the word who became flesh, how the Father sent the Son. Wow, that's amazing good news. And he ends it by saying, and now I'm sending you. Kind of feels a little anticlimactic, doesn't it? And if we're honest, we're thinking, well, I liked Jesus and the angels, but, but me? I, I, whoa, that's a lot of pressure, man. Could you pass the baton to someone else? Because I know me, and I can't, I can't run this race. I can't be the witness of this. I can't be the new messenger. And yet, this is what the scripture says, that we are now God's messengers announcing the good news to the world. We are now the messengers. The story that began with angels continues through disciples. <gasps> and maybe this is exhilarating news. Wow, really? This is what we get to be part of? But if you think about it a little bit longer, it's enough to make you tremble to say, well, but how? And aren't we sure to make a mess of this? And how, how could this possibly continue? Luke wrote in two volumes. Volume one is what we call the gospel according to Luke. But volume two is a book in our, in our scriptures that we call the Acts of the Apostles. And so turn there to Acts chapter one, because this is the same author writing his second volume, the sequel. And this is what Luke says in verse six of chapter one. And so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There's that word witnesses again. Luke, same author, closes his gospel by Jesus saying, you are witnesses of these things. And then he opens his volume two by saying, you're going to wait and receive power so that you can be witnesses to all these things. In other words, the call that you have received comes with the personal presence of God to make it possible, 
John does a similar thing. So we looked at verse 21, where Jesus says, as the Father sends, has sent me, so I am sending you. But the very next verse, John puts these two scenes back to back, because that's the way John tells his story. John, the very next verse says, and then Jesus breathed on them. John 20, verse 22. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. See, Luke separates it into two moments. John puts it together. But the point is the same. You're not sent without the Spirit. You're not sent without the Spirit. In fact, every person who is in Christ has also received the Holy Spirit. You have. This isn't kind of a, you know, there's not like a JV version of the Holy Spirit. There's not like a Holy Spirit starter kit, and you've got to start here, and then someone else is on the expert level. When you are in Christ, the Spirit of God has come into you. And it means that you have now received this call to continue the mission of God. Think of it this way. The Spirit of God in us continues the mission of God on earth. The Spirit of God in us continues the mission of God on earth. In a very real way, what Luke is trying to help us see by his volume one and volume two is to say, listen, listen, the kingdom that Jesus inaugurated continues now through the people of God. But how? Because the Spirit of God lives and dwells and works in us. Now, friends, I don't know how much time you spend thinking about the Holy Spirit. But we say each week things that remind us that our God is three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Paul has this beautiful prayer that he prays at the close of one of his letters where he says, now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship or communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. A way of saying that part of being a Christian is not simply receiving the grace of Jesus or the love of the Father, but knowing that you are also participating in fellowship with the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. How in the world does the mission of God continue on the earth? Why in the world would Jesus say, it is better for you that I go? Why? I mean, if we're honest, the way we think about Jesus in the Gospels, most of us would say, I wish I lived back then. But Jesus says, it's good that you live right now. Huh? What's the, what's, what are we missing? Maybe what we're missing is the fullness, the richness of what it really means to say that the Spirit of God lives and breathes in you. And the Spirit of God in you wants to continue the mission of God on earth. Now, I like to, to think of it this way, to say it almost in personal language, to say the kingdom of God continues to arrive on the earth through, gulp, me. Because sometimes, you know, if you say well, the kingdom of God continues to arrive on the earth through us, you're like, yeah, I like that, us, because mostly him. Like, I know the kingdom of God is arriving on earth. I know, you know, but mostly it's coming through her. And when we pray the Lord's Prayer each week, and we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This arrival that Jesus launched continues to arrive 
through, and if we say through us, you'll say, yeah, 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 sure, through you guys. I put the money in those white, cheapy plastic bucket things, and you guys let the kingdom continue to arrive, right? No, 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 no. Jesus says through you. And maybe this morning what you need to hear is that when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, God says, yeah, 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 yeah. It's begun to arrive because of Jesus. And it continues to arrive through you by the Spirit. Not through you because you're super smart. Not through you because you're so holy. Not through you because you're good enough, smart enough, talented enough, and doggone it, people like you. Not because of that. But because the Spirit of God is in you. The Spirit of God is in you. And so the mission of God continues through you. The kingdom of God continues to arrive through you. Luke does something very interesting with the Old Testament reading passage that we heard this morning. Isaiah 61 is the passage where Isaiah says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. And he goes on and he says, and to give beauty for ashes. Now, Jesus, in Luke's gospel, Jesus stands up in the synagogue one day, Luke chapter 4, and it says he found the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And of course, there's no chapter or verse markings back then. And he unrolls it right to the spot that he knew. And he read that very passage. He read that text. And, it, and, and, he, and he said, and today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Church, there is no doubt that the one on whom the spirit of the Lord anointed to carry out this work. There's no doubt that that person is Jesus. There is no doubt that it is Jesus who binds up the brokenhearted, Jesus who comforts the mourning, Jesus who gives beauty for ashes. But here is the startling thing. The same Luke who tells us that Jesus read the scripture about the spirit of God and said it's fulfilled in their hearing. This same spirit falls upon the church. It's Luke's way of saying, Luke 4, I told the story of Jesus by telling you the story of the Spirit descending on him and him announcing his mission through Isaiah 61. And then when Luke begins volume 2, there's a parallel story. The church is birthed, and the church is birthed by the same Spirit of God falling on them. I'm not speaking about some kind of second experience, some kind of come back for more. I'm speaking to you about what you already have. You see, if you are in Christ, everything that is true of Jesus <laughs> becomes true of you. Not the divinity stuff, okay? But his righteousness, his mission, his calling. It all of a sudden becomes true of you. How does Luke tell us this? Okay, Jesus, the Christ. Remember, we've talked about this, Christ was not Jesus' last name, right? His parents were not Joseph and Mary Christ, and then they had Jesus Christ, right? Christ is a title. It means the anointed one. It's the Greek version of the Hebrew Messiah, Messiah. Christ, the anointed one. In Antioch, these followers of Jesus begin to look and live and act just like Jesus, so much so that people begin to call them 
Christians. Now, Christians for us is like, oh, that's the name of a religion, right? Check the box. What's your religion? Christian. Look, when it began, it was not a category or a name of a religion. When it began, it was a spontaneous nickname that came up because people said, these are little anointed ones. These are mini messiahs. These are ones who, they seem to have that same spirit in them. They're not the son of God. They're not the fully God. They're not that, but there's something about them that makes us remember him. There's something about us that bears witness to him. Something about the way we bind up the brokenhearted. Something about the way we walk to the desolate places and speak life. Something about the way we bring beauty for ashes. Something about the way we carry the oil of gladness instead of mourning. Something about us that reminds the world of him. And it's the Holy Spirit. So beauty from ashes isn't just something God does for us. It's what God wants to do through us. It becomes what God actually wants to bring about through us. That's the amazing invitation to not just be recipients, but to be participants. The stunning announcement of the kingdom. You're not just a recipient. You're a a participant. You. Every single one of you, not the church, the organization, not the staff, not the pastor, not the small group leader, not the, no, no, you, 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 you. What does that look like? Well, <laughs> it might be as simple as beginning with prayer. Say, God, help me to see the situation differently. Help me to see my workplace as not just my workplace. Help me to see my school as not just my school. Help me to see my home as not just my home. Help me to see the care of children as not simply the care of children. Help me to see the mission in the midst of all of this. See, sometimes we talk about career. What's my career step? You know, what's the next thing and all this stuff. But I believe that there's a calling that each of us have as Christians that actually transcends career. That you could be in different jobs, different kinds of work, and yet the calling in your, on your life to bear witness to Christ in a unique way, that that calling actually transcends the different career moves that you make. And so it, it's not that it doesn't matter, but it takes the pressure off of which job and what thing, because you know, listen, my, my actual calling is to bear witness to Jesus Christ in the unique way that he's put in me. And so that may look in this season like this job, but eventually it might look like this and maybe later like this. Does that make sense? Your vocation, vocation from the Latin word vox, calling, your vocation transcends your occupation. Your calling is bigger than your career. You are invited to be a witness. So pray this way. Pray this way when you get up tomorrow morning. Okay, Lord, what am I doing when I'm home with sick kids? God, what am I doing when I'm, when I, when I, how am I participating with you today? And you know what it does? It makes you enter different settings differently. You no longer come into work or come into a circle of friends with a here I am kind of mentality. You know, you know people like that, right? They walk in the room and they expect everybody to notice and stop. You know, Here I am. They come in, you come in instead with a there you are attitude. Hey, hey, there you are. 
And you're thinking to yourself, I've been praying for you this week. You don't know that, but I've been praying for you. All of a sudden, you're beginning to see people differently. Not here I am, but there you are. That's the reason next Sunday we're going to spend time in worship and in prayer because we want to enter this new year and say, God, who are the people you want me to start seeing? What are the places you want me to notice? How can I walk into these situations and not think, here I am, but think, there you are. There you are. There's a, there's a place of ruins that I can be a part of building up again. There's a place of darkness that I can bring light to. There's a place of sadness that I can bring joy to. But as you pray, eventually you're going to just have to take a risk. Eventually you're going to have to step out and say something, do something, ask a question, offer something, and it might feel very scary. And I'll be honest, this is not... This is not my natural wiring. I mean, I, if left to my own devices, when I get on an airplane, I want to put on noise-canceling headphones, you know? I, just, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not. And part of that is, you know, <laughs> back when I was in college and I was a theology major, you know, you strike up a conversation with people as you're flying back and forth from break, and they say, oh, you're in college, oh, great. And, and, and so what are you studying? I'm studying theology. Geology? No, no, theology. And then they kind of look at you. Okay, and then they start, you know, reading the flight in magazine. Cause, yeah. So I, I, this summer, Holly and I moved um, to the West Side Rockerman area here, off of Woodman, and and uh, part of the reason for it is just wanted to, um, you know, have some trees and and, and maybe even uh, some wildlife around us. And it turned out it really worked. You know, it's an older neighborhood, but there's deer that are around all the time. It's really beautiful. And our driveway, we've got this long, like, 40-yard driveway if anybody wants to come shovel later. Um, but um, it's also a great sledding hill, though. You can do that first. Um, and, and, and there's a house just down the hill below from us. And it, when we moved in, the house was empty. And so really, all that we, we, all that we had was trees around us and deer. And there are neighbors that were really close, but you just couldn't quite see them just the way the lot worked. And we were thinking, oh, this is so wonderful. We love it. And then a couple months in, these people moved into the house. And turns out the guy is like a baseball um, developer coach guy, you know, helps, helps young baseball players get recruited and, and, and you, know, you know, get scholarships for college and then even for the pros. And so, you know, their first weekend in, they're all sitting on their back, back porch, which is basically a few feet away from our front yard. And, um, and they're sitting there and just cussing up a storm like loud and it's late and we're in our room. We used to have the windows open. We used to hear crickets, you know. And now it's like, and Holly looks at me and we're like, huh, okay. And then all of a sudden we're like, okay, well, maybe, maybe, maybe they're not here for us. Maybe we're here for them. Not here I am, but there you are. Maybe we're here for them. Okay, well, let's see. Let's pray. Let's see what... We began to have these conversations with them. He's a really nice guy, you know, um, uh, has a great program, very successful. Found out that, that uh, his wife was expecting. And so a couple months went by, and, and we were realizing we didn't, didn't need our crib anymore. So we took down the crib, and we thought, well, maybe, maybe they would want the crib, you know. So knocking on the door, like, hey, man, you guys, you guys need a crib? It's like, oh, man, we'd love the crib. And so I went back up, got the crib, and they, one of his baseball dudes was there, helped me carry it down. We're, I'm explaining to him how the mattress goes, and he's looking at me like, yeah, okay, whatever, right? 
And then he says, hey, 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 you're a, what are you, like a pastor or priest or something? I was like, yeah, both are true. And, uh, <laughs> and he says, uh, hey, here's so-and-so. He just got recruited by the White Sox. He leaves for training camp tomorrow. He really needs your prayers, man. And I was like, okay. I was like, do you want me to pray right now? And they were all like, and this is so not like me, you know? <laughs> And they're like, yeah, yeah, let's pray right now. So like, okay, let's pray. And so they're, you know, they're like bending down at the kitchen counter, you know, like all this stuff. And I'm praying, you know, the Lord will help him. I mean, I don't, you know. And then I say amen, and I look up, and they're all like doing the, you know. I thought about joining him. And, and you know, listen, who knows what, what comes of this, right? But eventually, you got to take a risk. you got to begin to say, if we are the people through whom God brings beauty in the world again, then I, I can't be quiet. i got to take some risks. Because there's a lot of ruins. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt in the world. Of course, last week I heard another story about a friend who was driving right there by the Santa Fe Trail over on Woodman, and he saw a guy who he perceived to be homeless, and, and he thought, I got this, it's freezing cold. It's one of the cold, colder days we had last week. And so my friend said, oh, I'm going to stop. And uh, he pulled over at the gas station, got like an egg sandwich and a hot chocolate, and he parked his car, and he went up to the gentleman. He said, sir, it seems like you're kind of cold. I'll bet you're a little bit hungry. I've got you some breakfast and some hot chocolate. And the guy just kind of looks at him and he takes it. And my, my buddy got back in his car, drove away thinking, yes, Lord, you know, got to be a shining light today. And he said he'd barely pulled onto the road and he looked back in his rearview mirror and the guy just walked like five steps and took the sandwich and the hot chocolate and just chucked it over the bridge right down on the Santa Fe Trail, you know, and screamed something in the air. So who knows? Sometimes it doesn't work, okay? I'm just telling you, like, I, 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 I don't want you to have the wrong impression from church. Like, you obey the Lord and revival breaks out, right? Sometimes they chuck the food you give them. It's okay. But listen, listen, the point, the point is not to fix people. You have not been sent by Jesus to fix people or even to change lives. You have been sent to bear witness to Jesus. Amen? And every little act that you do to bring joy where there's mourning, to bring beauty where there's ashes, to rebuild ruins, every little act that you do as you teach, as you um, work, as you commute, all of those, every, every little one of those acts are little signposts that bear witness to Jesus, the one who redeems and restores all things. Amen? That's what we're called to participate in. Calling all the messengers. Calling all the messengers. There's a Lecrae song. Anybody listen to Lecrae? Hip-hop artist. Wildly best-selling. Christian. You, I listen to Lecrae. I love Lecrae. <laughs> and I was thinking this morning, you know, you have Train's song, Calling All Angels, and you have Lecrae saying, Calling All Messengers. And I thought, that's perfect, isn't it? Because we're saying, God, why won't you send more angels? And he's saying, I've sent you. Would you take it seriously? I've sent you. The lyrics in the second verse, I had to pull it up. And I, I'm not going to wrap it to you this morning. Don't even bait me. Don't even tempt me. I just might. No, I won't. <laughs> he says, I've been a lot of places where the scene ain't pretty. 
I've seen plenty of hate, hate, death, and destruction where ignorance kills many. The blind leading the blind, we turning a blind eye, that, a lot, that alone is a crime. We've got the power to life. I know that we make mistakes. Don't let them keep you away. Mercy, love, and his grace, the reason we move in here. Speak out, though we've never been qualified to do it. I ain't earned it. I was loved into it. I'm brand new. I love that line. I didn't earn it. been loved into it. And so it is with you. Calling all the messengers. You've been loved into this kingdom. You've been brought into this kingdom so that you can every day wake up and say, fill me again, Holy Spirit. and Send me again, Jesus, to bear witness of you. Amen? We're getting ready to come to the table. And it's a really beautiful picture of this, you know, because Athletes, when they're training for a particular sport or whatever, they got to eat right. They got to have the right diet. And it's interesting. Someone says, how can we only get baptized once, but we do communion so much? Well, it's a picture of life. You're born once, but you eat every day. And so we come to the table regularly, weekly for us in our church, because it's our way of reminding ourselves, I've been born again. Yes, I've been born. That happened once. But this table, I keep coming back to this table because if I'm going to live like that, I got to eat right, quote unquote. And what that means is I come again and receive grace and say, God, I'm not in this because I've been good enough, because I'm smart enough, because I'm in this because I'm receiving grace again. And freely, freely we have received. Freely, freely we give.